I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week it's all about haunted cars. The most famous cursed, haunted and possessed cars seem to have a mind of their own with a mission to hurt their owners and as many others as possible. One of the most famous examples is James Dean's Porsche 550 Spider, named Little Bastard. Whilst driving to a race in Salinas, California, actor James Dean lost control of the car, which took Dean and his passenger off the road and flipped into a gully. Dean was killed and his passenger was seriously injured. It speculated on whether the curse of the car was present that day, but it definitely came to life after this crash. A leading car customizer and Dean's friend, George Barris, gained control of the wrecked spider and began to sell parts of the vehicle to other drivers. Instead of being happy to have a second chance at life, the car apparently was furious. After Barris sold the engine and drivetrain to two doctors, they outfitted each of them into two of their vehicles and entered a race in Panoma, California. Whilst racing, both of the doctors crashed the cars. One of the doctors died. After a while, Barris started to put some stock into the curse and promptly donated the car to a California Highway Patrol. The police were happy to take the famous car as they had planned to use it as a warning to reckless drivers. Again, the car showed that it was not pleased. The first place the California Highway Patrol stored the car was in a garage that promptly burned down with only the wreckage of the car left standing without a scratch on it. Now surely this was a bad omen. The CHP continued to use the car, taking it to high schools as a visual aid for the dangers of reckless driving. En route to one school, the car broke loose from the truck hauling it and crashed into another vehicle, causing a fatal accident. Undeterred by these bad omens, they took the car to another school, where the car fell on a student breaking their hip. In total, the spider fell off the trailer that carried it three times, crushing a truck driver once. Not only did the car give law enforcement trouble, but it also made life difficult for criminals. Two thieves tried to steal the blood-stained seats and steering wheel from the wreck. Instead of getting some memorabilia out of it, all they got were injuries. So where is James Dean's Porsche today? During the car journey back to California in 1960, the Porsche, mysteriously, that was sealed in the back of a truck, when opened at the end of the journey, had completely disappeared and has never been seen since. So we've talked about haunted objects in an earlier episode, and it's something that really baffles me. The logical side of my brain says, don't be daft. How can an inanimate object be haunted, cursed or possessed? Well, the stories, some obviously fake to entertain the gullible and other stories are just so bizarre and frightening. Well, how can you not believe? And after listening to the more creepy tales, like the one I've just told you, and then 
When asked, would I like to keep the object or car in my house, my reply is somewhat a little rude. Well, who wants to take the chance? My first encounter with a haunted car was when I was about 13. I remember sitting down to watch the movie Christine, directed by John Carpenter. My mum thought it would be a spooky movie to watch. I laughed and said, are you sure this isn't a comedy? It's a movie about a haunted car and a possessed one at that. But when I watched the plot unravel and witnessed the American car kill various people, I wasn't laughing anymore. It was actually a good film, a cult classic now, and if you haven't seen it, give it a go. Although I doubt you'll need to be hiding behind a pillow. Of course, most people know of the story I've just told of James Dean's car, Little Bastard. But I rather like the story of the number seven haunted London bus. Between the 1930s and 1990, a lone red London double-decker bus has been reported to the police on numerous times. It was always seen around 1am in the morning. It has no interior or exterior lights on and always reported to be unmanned. The bus is always seen driving along the same road, Cambridge Gardens. It doesn't stop, but just speeds past puzzled witnesses and then simply vanishes. One night in 1934, an unfortunate driver swerved, lost control of the vehicle and smashed head-on into a wall. The police were confused as later on, during the autopsy, it was medically proven that there didn't seem to be a reason as to why the driver had suddenly careered into the wall. It wasn't until eyewitnesses came forward and described the number seven bus and how the poor driver had swerved to miss it. Then things became a little clearer to the police, if not totally bizarre. Can you imagine the police officers' faces as they tried to piece together exactly what had happened on that fateful night? And so began the legend of the number seven Phantom London Bus. Bonnie and Clyde, two evil criminals that took the world by storm with tales of murder, robbery and kidnapping. The two villains were caught eventually in 1934. In a shootout, Bonnie and Clyde died in their 1932 Ford. The whole car was peppered with bullets and could be seen inside a casino in Nevada, USA today. It's a very strange sight to behold this old car, a contraption where two people were actually killed. And it's there on view now for all to see. But when people take pictures on their phones, or before phones were invented to take photographs, the old-fashioned films, when they were developed, they reported seeing shadows of faces and bodies sitting inside the car. And many people report when around the car a sense of pure evil. And then there's the case of Franz Ferdinand's car. If his vehicle hadn't stalled on that fateful day, he wouldn't have been assassinated. Which, of course, as we all know, caused the horrific World War One. Apparently, over the following 12 years, 13 deaths have occurred, all because of this little car. Some of the deaths and bad luck allegedly caused by the car include a German officer and two peasants who were killed outright, an Austrian general who went mad whilst behind the wheel of the car and ended his days in an asylum a Swiss racing driver who rolled the car and died, a Romanian owner who lost control of the car on the way to a wedding. He and his five passengers were killed. Remarkably, the car is still around and sits in the War Museum in Vienna. I wouldn't want anybody to steal that, would you? Now, I have had an experience myself with a spooky car. We used to have a Morris 8 that car bought some years ago. And after spending many hours working on the car, fixing the engine and making sure that the little 1930s classic was kept clean and dry, the poo-poo car, as we called it, don't ask me why, decided no matter how much love, spit and polish car put into it, it just didn't want to work. 
The times I saw poor Carl swearing, sweating and crying out in frustration as the little poo-poo car had decided that no, it wasn't going to start again. And so Carl's love for his once prized project waned and the little Morris was left to rot in the garage. One night during the first lockdown of the pandemic, I thought it would be fun for myself, Carl and Mary to go and investigate the old car to see if we could capture any paranormal activity, (laughs) as you do. I remember we did go live on, I think it was the Most Haunted official YouTube channel, or it could have been the Most Haunted app, I can't remember now, but what we filmed was really rather intriguing. It certainly wasn't Christine material or anything as legendary as James Dean's uh, Porsche, but our little poo-poo car certainly opened our eyes to the possibility that previous owners of their beloved motor cars can and do affect their once prized possessions. We sat in the car. The garage doors were shut. It was completely dark inside. I sat in the back, Carl in the driver's seat and Mary in the passenger seat. We didn't say anything to start off with. We just sat quietly, getting used to the sounds of our surroundings, which, as you can imagine, were hardly anything at all, apart from the odd rustle outside the car, which I put down to a mouse. Slowly but surely, we began to hear a quiet, muffled sound. It was tapping and knocking coming from within the car. We shushed each other as our excitement built. There it was again. This was our cue to ask out. How bizarre. Here we were, sat in an old car and were about to hopefully talk to someone, possibly connect to the dead. I asked lots of questions and I believe people at home watching could also hear the tapping noises. I also remember hearing little scratching noises on the leather seats. That was a tad disconcerting, I can tell you. When I asked if the person who we were talking to was a man or a woman, they replied that they were a man. I then asked, did he own the car? He replied that yes, he did own the car. I asked, what year did he own it and what was his name? At this point, we weren't scared, just gobsmacked that a person once living, now passed on, was communicating with us whilst we sat in his car. He said he had owned the car in 1938 and that his name was Arthur Richards. And this is the best bit. He tapped out the letters Carl pointed to them and he tapped out G E T O. U. T. Get out. And then he tapped to the letters M. Y. C. A. R. My car. Get out my car. The ghost of Arthur Richards confirmed that he liked to scare people by showing his ghostly image to witnesses. We know this to be true as past owners reported seeing a man sitting in the driver's seat. And then when looking again, the image had completely disappeared. And this apparently had occurred many times. Arthur's ghost also confirmed that he liked doing this and knew what effect his ghost was having on people. After this fabulous conversation with Arthur, we checked out if he had indeed owned the car with the DVLA. And we were so excited to discover that, yes, indeed, Arthur Richards had owned this Morris in 1938. He was the second owner and bequeathed his beloved Morris to his grandson upon his death. A point to make is that um, there were no mechanical problems whatsoever when the car was kept within the ownership of the family. Uh, It was started behaving strangely as soon as it was sold to a non-family member uh, where it just refused to start. During that little investigation, at one point, Carl decided to get into the back with me as according to records, a past owner liked to get romantic with his wife on the back seat. He'd even had a blind fitted for the back window so his kissing could be done in privacy. 
many people watching our investigation reported hearing a growl. When I asked Arthur if that had been him, as he'd already made it clear that he didn't like Carl being there, he replied with two knocks that yes, he had growled at Carl. I then asked for him to move the car, perhaps make it shake, and instantly I think a button or something was pressed near the driving wheel. Mary, who was in the passenger seat at this time, began to get a little bit nervous. We've asked Arthur lots of questions and he admitted that he didn't like anyone else in his car and that he was deliberately making the car stop working. He also told Carl that he was angry with him for letting the car get into such a mess. Carl explained the reasons why, so an understanding was reached. How wonderful that we were able to make contact with Arthur and how extraordinary that he was able to tell us how unhappy he was to see his wonderful car in such a mess. Also, to have a ghost confirm that their energy was causing a machine to break down was mind-blowing. Did this also mean then that spirits are capable of making machines do other things like pull a steering wheel in the wrong direction, push the accelerator down further, or stop the brakes from working. So, was a ghost responsible for all the deaths associated with James Dean's car, and the same as Franz Ferdinand's? Who knows, but after my experience, I would say the chances are quite high. Oh, by the way, Our little poo-poo car was sold to two Morris enthusiasts who have spent many months reconditioning the car. I think Arthur Richards will now be very pleased and happy. I just hope he hasn't scared the mechanics too much. Hi Yvette, I wanted to tell you about an experience I had that I can't fully explain and it'd be interesting to hear what you have to say about it. Um, So a few years ago I was living near Southampton and I went to go and pick up my brother and his girlfriend quite late at night uh, from the cinema and we were driving back and the motorway was closed so we had to uh, not take the motorway, we had to go down some bit more rural back roads. Um, and we were driving down one of these long uh, back roads and there was was no street lights on it Um, so it it was quite a straight road so you could see quite far ahead and we could see the back lights of a car ahead of us about 200 metres maybe, quite far but we could definitely see them and we were following them for maybe a couple of minutes five minutes maybe and uh, just minding our own business didn't really think much about it Um, but then we saw the car indicate right and turn right and it seemed to turn right into a bunch of trees The, the the lights were flickering as it was what I thought was going through a bunch of trees to the right of the road didn't really think about about it much at the time and but as we drove past the spot where I thought it had turned off there was no turning and there was no turning at any point on this road um it can't have been that far ahead of us that it turned down one of the larger roads and it was just really strange and we all remember it We all remember it happening. Um, And I checked on Google Maps later, and there there are no turnings on that road. It's just A to B. You turn onto a roundabout, and you get off the other end on a roundabout. There's nothing in the middle. So, yeah, a bit strange. Not sure if it was a ghost car or something else, but a bit of an odd one. And, um, yeah, thanks very much. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for sending in that creepy 
story. I think that's really creepy. And when I'm traveling back uh, late at night, when I've been doing a most haunted experience or coming back from filming, a lot of the time I'm driving on my own. And because of where the locations are, um, a lot of the time they're on these dark country roads. And I often freak myself out whilst listening to the musical Mary Poppins to try and calm my nerves. Um, I, I always think to myself, what if I saw something really strange here? Or what if there was a ghost car? Or what if there was a, an alien? Or what? All these things go through my head. I think that's a really creepy story, Alex. I really do. Um, and I think that, you know, the lights were flickering on the back. And the fact that the car turned down a road and then when you then when you went past it, there was nothing there and there was no road and I can tell in your voice that you were completely gobsmacked by the whole thing so to me seeing is believing and I believe that what you witnessed was a ghost car so Alex this story has kind of reminded me of a, a story that Carl told me weirdly enough last night because obviously I was doing the research and I was talking about haunted cars and he told me this story. He can't remember whereabouts in the country it was, um, but apparently it's very real and um, lots of people were reporting seeing this, the image of, well, a ghost car is what we can describe it as. They kept seeing this car coming along the road and going off the side of the road and disappearing. Quite a few people, like the London bus, were ringing up and saying that they were seeing this car, um, you know, disappearing. So, of course, the police at the time didn't do anything about it until um, people reported seeing a car or the headlights of a car and the interior lights of a car flash, flash, flashing, flashing from uh, sort of in a field, in a ditch on one side of the road. Um, and the police went there and discovered that there was a car. It was very rusty. It had been down in this ditch for uh, many, many years. They uncovered a lot of it. Um, and basically, they couldn't understand um, why the lights and the interior light was going on and off um, because the car had obviously been down there for about 20 years. And then they discovered the skeletal remains of the driver. So... Was the spirit of the driver letting people know, please help me, my body is here and I need to rest in peace? Just something to think about. When I was told that story, and you probably know the full facts, those of you who are listening to it, I don't know. But if you do, please get in touch because I'd love to know um, the correct story. I'm only surmising here. But uh, yes, so thanks to Carl for, for giving me that little story. And thanks for Alex for jogging my memory on it. I can't wait to hear the paranormal stories you've sent in to us. Or have you had a paranormal encounter with a ghost, extraterrestrial or something unexplained? If you have, send us a voice note into this address, paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. And you could be featured on the next episode. Go on, don't be shy. Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals no matter how big or small you can find us wherever you got this podcast just search push your peak selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. Before we jump into our chat with supernatural expert Ben Radford, um, Nathan got in touch on email to share his spooky experience at a car garage. I've seen and heard weird things for years. However, this story is something that I know is gotten to sound stupid as it involves a garage restroom, but it's something I've never forgotten. My friend and I went to Portsmouth Comic Con from Bristol one sunny Saturday morning. We left in the early hours and got there early and around 11 to 11.30 decided to head back to Bristol after we'd seen everything we wanted. I can't remember what the name of the garage was as why would you? On our way back to Bristol we only stopped to get fuel and some food etc for the journey. Fueled up and food purchased, I went to the restroom. Now, this was on the side of the garage, outside and high brick walls surrounding them with one way in and out. There was two doors, both with your normal toilet facilities. The doors opened out to the brick walls and the forecourt to the left. Now, I'm going about my business and the door handle goes one, two, three. So you'd think someone is trying the door. A few minutes later, the door handle goes again. One, two, three. Right, someone really wants to go. At this point, I'm washing my hands and the door handle goes again. One, two, three. Within five seconds, I unlock and open the door, expecting to see someone bursting to go. To my surprise, no one is there. Look in the cubicle next to this one and it's empty with the door wide open and no one in there. I step out onto the forecourt and my friend is sat in his car looking at his phone and would have had to run back to the car if it was him and it's quite a way back. A tank driver is filling up his lorry to the far right and I look into the shop and a worker is behind the till and that's everyone accounted for. Go back to the car and ask my friend if he saw anyone outside the toilet just now and he said no. He's also the kind of person who would own up if he was pulling a prank. This happened around six or seven years ago now and it bothers me now as much as it did then. I know it sounds daft as it's a toilet in a garage but no way anyone could have got away and I wouldn't have seen them. Thank you for your podcast from Nath. Well, thank you Nath for sending this story in and you know, I've had my fair share of toilet ghosts and they can be incredibly creepy. The fact that, you know, um, the, the toilet block is actually attached to, to the to the garage. Um, who knows what that toilet and the ground used to be on? We've always got to think about these things. And a lot of the time, those toilets were added on at, at a later date. So something could have happened in there. Um, there is a wonderful story, uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a very true um, haunting that happens in the um, Bow Bells pub in London. And apparently, since the... Um, don't know how far it goes back, but I know that in the 1970s, I think um, they tried to communicate with a ghost that haunts the Bobel pub toilets and it's the ladies lose and apparently if you go into one of the cubicles sit down your, your trolleys around your ankles and you're doing your business as, as one does and before you've even pulled your pantaloons up well the the the, the flusher goes and you've got a wet bottom. Uh, it's highly embarrassing and a little bit of a shock. Um, now, apparently this happens an awful lot. They also hear people knocking at the cubicle door, just as you did, Nath. Um, and this has been going on, as I say, for a long time. So 
I think it was in the 1970s, they decided to do a seance or a ghost group did. And as they were communicating with somebody, they couldn't quite uh, uh, find out who it was that was haunting there. Um, All the cubicle doors just slammed shut one after the other. And then the mirror on the side of the wall above the sinks just smashed. Um, So whoever haunts the Bobel pub in the ladies' toilets uh, isn't particularly happy uh, when they're trying to be communicated with. I love to find out who haunts that uh, that 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 pub and also you know is it the same person that haunts the toilet uh, and who is haunting the the loose at the service station where you went you know it really is uh, fascinating to me especially loose and you know when people say to me when i go to a haunted location uh, i say oh can you tell me where the loose are and they go yeah yeah it's just down here to the right and i will never ever ever go on my own because i certainly do not want a wet bottom Today we have friend of the show Benjamin Radford who returns to chat with us all about the possibility of cursed and haunted cars. Welcome back Ben, so lucky to have you with us. Um, So what's your take on the possibility of cars being haunted? Well, uh, thanks for having me back on. You know, it's it's fascinating, right? You begin to look at the, at the folklore behind it. So there's there's lots of overlap between curses and ghosts and and evil spirits and omens and things like that. Um, and so the the idea of of a of a car or a, a, a mode of transportation being cursed or haunted is actually not that far uh, removed from from ordinary you know beliefs about ghosts and other weirdness. Um, you know, you can look at um, you can look at these these things from a from a folkloric perspective, right? And so, what do vehicles symbolize? Vehicles symbolize transition. They symbolize things, usually people, going from one place to another. You know, physically, metaphorically, and so on. Um, and so, you can see why, uh, in in that context, uh, there would be haunted and cursed uh, vehicles and ships and and uh, and trains in some cases. Uh, so, for example, you have the, the Flying Dutchman is probably the most famous mm. haunted ship. Um, and you have, you know, in Greek mythology, you had Charon that was crossing River Styx, uh, the ferryman from Hades, right? You had this notion of, of a, a mystical entity or a supernatural vehicle taking people or entities from one stage to another, from life to death, uh, from one place to another. And this folds in perfectly with haunted cars. It's it's absolutely fascinating. We, we we've just been talking on the show about uh, you know, like you say, that there's so many incidents and, and famous stories. And as I mentioned right at the very beginning, you know, are they a lot of these stories made up? You know, for entertainment, for attention grabbing, and and so on. You know, it's great, isn't it? To like, for instance, I I actually stayed um, for three weeks on the Queen Mary uh, in California, uh-huh. and that, of course, as you know, has <laughs> yes. got its own tales. But believe you me, I'm not joking, Ben, when I tell you that ship was haunted. Some really truly scary stuff uh, was happening to me, to me and my team. I mean, we've got some fantastic footage. Um, so yeah, sure. so so, but these sort of they go like you say with with folklore, don't they? And they add to the mystique of um, these amazing, um, uh, you know, ways of travel. But we were just talking as well about the, the the myth of James Dean's car, little bastard. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about that story, but I mean, surely there were just too many coincidences for that not to be cursed. <laughs> You would think. I mean, the 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 James Dean little bastard story is sort of it's sort of a perfect crystallization of Hollywood lore, right? Mm. You have one of uh, you have an iconic actor, you have an iconic car, uh, this you know Porsche five fifty Spider. <laughs> I mean, just you know, it was so cool back then and, and remains today, right? Mm. There's 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 nobody who can't stare at that thing and say. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be part of it or touch it or have some connection to it? So you can see why the, it would have this this sort of, you know, this gloss of allure and, and glamour to it. And the same thing happens, of course, uh, in death with Hollywood. Right. And you have every you know, you have 
um, yeah, Manson, uh, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> well, he's yeah, freaky. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little, that's a little weird. That's a little, little slip of the tongue. You right? need the, you mean so the you other have, Manson? You know, you have, yeah, yeah, the other Manson. Yeah. Uh, the the what's his face? Yeah, so you know, so for you know, you have you know, you have uh, you have Marilyn Monroe, you have James Dean, you have um, all these all these actors and stars, some of who died tragic deaths. Mm. Uh, Jim Morrison uh, dying young, you know, all sorts of things like that. And so there's naturally going to be these these stories and mythologies that, that show that show up. And that happens regardless of whether or not there's a, a curse associated with. But when you have a case like James Dean and the car crash in, in 1955, um, it's obviously going to spawn interest and, and, you know, mystique. And but you have to look at it in, in the broader perspective, right? Because typically what happens in curses is that, it, it, you know, they seem like things that are anachronisms from hundreds of years ago, right? People say, well, why would, why would people believe in curses, you know, in, in 2022? Um, but in fact, you know, people have uh, weird beliefs everywhere. You know, people to this day, there are still buildings that don't have 13 floors. Mm. Uh, there are airplanes that don't have a 13th row because of superstition surrounding number 13. So it's really it's really far more pervasive than most people even realize. Um, and so when when you look at curses generally, cur particularly cursed objects, uh, you know, for example, there's the the Hope Diamond is probably one yeah. of the most famous curses. Um, and you know, and I can get into that if you want. But basically, you know, you have this 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 notion of this this huge uh, again something that's stunning that's that's unique, much like James Dean's James Dean's car that is the object of awe and adoration and envy. And when you have something that, that's that prominent, it's it's often going to engender these sort of scary, you know, mystique stories like that. Um, and so that there, there's, the reason I'm bringing this up is that there's parallels here, right? Because in the, in the case of the Hope Diamond, the, the story goes that, that wherever the, the Hope Diamond went, misfortune followed. So there's there's a whole legend behind the different different owners, uh, famously Marie Antoinette. Uh, we, we all know what happened to her uh, among many people who who had some connection to the diamond and died in tragic ways. Suicide, uh, disease, um, uh, murder, take your pick. Um, and and the same thing happened, of course, with with uh, Little Bastard, uh, James Dean's car, where the story is that uh, that after the accident, um, uh, parts of the the wrecked car were then taken out uh, by the, by George Barris, who was uh, the, called the the king of the customizers. He was very well known in the fifties and sixties for customizing unique cars. Uh, so, for example, uh, in television, he did the the Batmobile, oh, the original right. Batmobile. Uh, and the, the Munsters coach from the Munsters TV oh, series. I'd so he love was to have that. Very, oh. <laughs> yes, yes. Just this, this is this cool stuff. Yeah. And of course, who is James Dean going to ask to to trick out his car? George Barris. Right, right. right. He's, he's the guy. So, um, so in both these cases, you had this this idea that that the people that came in contact with the parts of Dean's car uh, came to various ends. There were accidents, there were uh, injuries in, in races, for example, and, and some deaths. And the, the parallel here is that in both cases of the Hope Diamond and James Dean's car, there's a grain of truth to it. So certainly if you go back and look at the history of the Hope Diamond, yeah, there are some owners uh, who had bad things happen to them. There's also lots of owners who had nothing bad happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they and they they were they were doing just fine. And the same thing happened uh, with with Little Bastard, where it's true uh, that uh, that you know that some of the parts of the car apparently went into different different other cars, and some of those later had uh, had were involved in accidents. Um, but of course, this is the racing community. Uh, car race accidents are not uncommon. They certainly weren't uncommon in the fifties. And 60s, and they're not uncommon today, even with, you know, better safety and things like that. And so what you had in both cases is a pre-existing sort of kernel of a legend that were then sort of hyped by media, by promoters. Uh, in the case of uh, in the case of George Barris uh, in Dean's Dean's car, he a, a lot of the stories behind the, the tragedy and the curse can be traced back to him. So he was a he was a, as you might imagine he was a huge self promoter 
He loved mystery. He recognized that the the curse of James Dean's car was going to bring attention to him because he's the guy that tricked out the car, and he's allegedly the guy that that bought the the, the wreck the wreckage. Although there's some dispute about that. So, in in both these cases, there there's a green of truth to it. But uh, it, you know, when you when you look at it in context, when you don't sort of cherry pick the bad things. You say, okay, well, hold on here. Yes, there were a couple bad things that happened, but <laughs> look at look at all these other, you know, eighty percent of people who had contact with the Hope Diamond or parts of James Dean's car that lived happy, fruitful lives. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. But then I'm going to ask you a question now. So let's say, I mean, I don't sure. know if James Dean's car's actually been found or any remnants of it because apparently it went missing, didn't it? In a in the back of a a, a wagon or something, they opened it up and it had completely disappeared nobody really knows where it where it is and i think somebody even put a reward out for fifty thousand dollars or something to see if they could find it tell me if i'm wrong um so where has it gone and you know where is it now and if it turned up in your garage ben would you drive it um (laughs) (laughs) um I would. I, I, I'm a sucker for punishment. I, I love to challenge curses. Uh, I'm not afraid of them. Uh, I'm afraid of some spooky things. Uh, curses are not among them. Uh, famous last words, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I haven't dug specifically too much into 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 uh, James Dean's uh, car, although I, I did do a little bit of research. And there's an author named uh, Lee Raskin who wrote a book on James Dean. Um, and according to Raskin, as I, as I understand it, he concluded that, in fact, uh, Barris did not buy uh, the, the remnants of the, the wrecked car. In fact, it was another uh, club racer. Um, and so, um, in, in fact, last, last, the, the last that Raskin heard, uh, his son actually has parts of it in the chassis. Um, so, so, you know, it's, I, I don't know, you know, I think part of the story of you know, parts of it going missing and, you know, parts of it going here, going there and and in misfortune following it. A, a lot of that has to sort of be taken with a grain of salt. Yeah, because it's it's a fascinating story, right? We all love stories. We certainly do. Um, and let me just say this. Yeah. So so one thing that one thing that jumped out at me in this was it's like the idea of cursed body parts. So. You know the folklore of like uh, people who say they had like a eye transplant or heart transplant, mm-hmm. and then the people that the people that that get those organs can you know have memories of the previous person. I've not heard of this. This so, is fascinating. Go on, tell me more. Yes, it's it's a whole thing. There's a whole subgenre of folklore. I'm writing it down now. Uh, I need to curse curse body parts. Yes, make a note. Take a note. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be writing so, that today. So there's there's this. <laughs> It's fascinating and it involves uh, this notion of what's called body memories and the idea that your cells, not just your brain, but your cells actually uh, contain or are imprinted by your experiences. Um, and a lot of this is pseudoscience, right? I mean, we know, for example, that, you know, if you if you're if you're if you're suddenly scared uh, out of your wits, uh, you'll remember that in your head. But that experience doesn't imprint itself in your cells, in your fingernail or your hair. I mean, it's just that's not how that works. But there's this notion of how cursed things are passed down uh, and, and, and passed along. Um, and and the same thing you know, happens with, with body parts. And so there are, there are legends of, for example, uh, a hand. There's a, a I'm forgetting the name of the film. But there's a, a famous film of of a, of a crawling hand. There's, there's somebody. Is it the hand, hand of the mu- is it the hand of the mummy? Or am I thinking that's completely? That could have been. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so there's this whole lore. And and again, it, the, you can see the parallels with James Dean's car, right? So you had this this figure that in life. Uh, you know, was a, a, a special person or maybe particularly evil or, or particularly, you know, good or iconic in the case of James Dean. But the car itself uh, was, is, of course, infused with misfortune. And the idea is that its parts, when scattered, continue that misfortune. Um, so and it's it, it's all part of this, the, the mythology, right? Because if you think about like, you know, everything has a past. People have past, objects have pasts. And unlike... Uh, unlike people, objects can exist for hundreds of years, um, and so there's you. It, it's it's natural to go into a museum or a, 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 a thrift store and look at something and say, "Wow, 
I wonder, I wonder what this is seeing, right? I wonder, I wonder whose hands this was in. Uh, was it somebody notorious? Was it, uh, was it somebody famous? Was it just, uh, was it a nobody? And it was, you know, it was uh, manufactured five years ago. So it's normal to sort of look at these things and just wonder. It's absolutely f- fascinating. And and also you talk about cursed body parts. It's sort of, uh, I remember being told this, that um, uh, my husband actually told me this, Carl, but uh, I don't know if it's pseudoscience again, but apparently DNA, uh, ha- your DNA has uh, memories of perhaps, so say for instance, if I, like when I go to Greece and I leave it, I get very emotional. I, get, I, I don't want to leave. But my, my grandmother lived in Greece for many, many years. Now, could that be part of her DNA in me that's sort of giving me those feelings? I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is fascinating, and it's it's hard to tease out, right? Because uh, again, this is the sort of topic that can easily sort of devolve into pseudoscience. Mm. Because again, we know. I mean, it, it's simply not true that you know that. Uh, you know, for example, you know your fingernails, right? Well, number one, your fingernails, uh, you know, they, they because they grow like your hair. Uh, your fingernails that are currently on your fingers, um, you know, they weren't on your fingers uh, twenty years ago. Uh, unless you have <laughs> unusually slow growing fingernails or oh, and the same thing with with cells in your body right is that cells in your body uh, according to uh, I think one I think I heard something like uh, they're replaced every seven years or something like that yeah uh, and and again it's not it's not magical it's just it's just you know that cells die and they're renewed um, but of course the DNA doesn't change and so some things can change DNA for example exposure to radiation uh, ionizing radiation things like that. Um, but the question is, you know, okay, well, how much of it is instinct and how much of it is an actual memory that can be imprinted onto DNA? Um, and that's, that's kind of hard to tease out, right? So you, you have animals uh, that are, you know, newborn animals that, um, you know, how do birds learn to fly? Well, part of it is their, you know, their their mother, you know, sort of showing them and demonstrating and then nudging them out of the nest. But a lot of it is instinct. Um, and so it's certainly possible that part of this is involved in 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 uh, in a normal, natural, not supernatural instinct um, uh, to 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 do certain actions. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that would really logically apply to going to a location. Right. I mean. Um, Greece or Italy or somewhere else, um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't know how that would even be possible that, that your DNA and, and, you know, we've explored DNA quite well. I mean, Watson and Crick, you know, unraveled DNA uh, decades ago. So there's been lots of research on that. We know the, we know the different components of it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of say, could there be some strand of genetic material that somehow is triggered by simply being in a location, right? Yeah, As we don't to know this. Greek food yeah. or watching a Greek film. Yeah, I mean, there's so much we don't understand. But bringing it back to um, I, I, about haunted cars and objects, I've just been telling everybody sure. here about uh, we had a, a, a little a classic car in our garage. I, I'm just going to very briefly surmise it because everybody listening will have already heard the story. But basically, for you, Ben, we we hadn't uh, my husband had spent a lot of money on this lovely classic old Morris um, and um, it was all brand new and shiny and um, he spent a lot of money and every time we started it up it would stop the we had mechanics out to look at it all the rest of it they couldn't understand there's nothing wrong with it every time Carl got into it it stopped again it wouldn't start stop 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 so in the end Carl went that's it I've had enough shut the doors in the barn and left it to rot so we decided during the first lockdown in the pandemic, let's go and do a little investigation and see if there's anything in there. Sure enough, we get the tapping and the knocking phenomena came through and we pointed to various letters and um, we asked who the person was that was coming through and he tapped out his name, Arthur Richards. We asked him what uh, date he owned the car. He said that he o- he had owned it in 1938. I think that was the, the date, 1938. And he actually said, he tapped out, get out my car. And um, you can actually hear the knocking on some of the, the video that re- we recorded. And it was really extraordinary. We checked um, his name and details out with the DVLA and there he was. And that to us was absolutely extraordinary. And he admitted that he was the one that was causing the car to stop because he didn't 
didn't want anybody else in that car that was part of his family because the car had been passed to his grandson and his grandson had sold it on to us and they'd had no problem with it whatsoever um so honestly we just gave we, we gave the car to some mechanics and sold it to them and i was just thinking i wonder if uh, i wonder if arthur richards has, has made their life a, a bit of a misery as well but it made me think you know can spirits manipulate an in, an inanimate object and i know you're you're gonna say no and it's you know all the rest of it, but I, you know, my theory is seeing is believing. And I felt and I saw, I felt the knocking underneath my feet. Um, and I saw those letters being tapped out. And it was extraordinary. And there were three of us in the car. So I'm not, I'm not expecting you to go, oh, you know, well, I don't have an answer for that. And that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it is, it is a very interesting way to look at it. And it really did make me think about all these stories that, you know, some of them, like we say, you know, have been heightened and, and so on with folklore and and so on but um could some of them be real can spirit energy perhaps somehow manipulate these objects uh you know i guess anything is possible yeah um you know it's well right i mean you know it's um part of the problem is that when you're talking about objects being manipulated right there's there's a whole subgenre of of ghost uh, phenomena associated with moving objects as you know like poltergeist activity so you have small objects being moved and oftentimes of course uh, when you see this it's in it's in hollywood films it's in tv shows it's, it's sort of dramatized and sensational but in real life when you talk to people who experience ghostly phenomena uh, for the most part, it's very mundane. It's it's you know it's it's a scent. It's a it's missing keys. It's a feeling of warmth or fear, whatever else. And so, you know, the the, the number of reports of of ghosts or spirits actively moving objects is is very rare. Um, and as far as I know, in my research, and you may know otherwise, but as far as I know, there are few, if any. Um, cases of it appearing on camera, uh, uh, you, uh, on, on video. You need to come out with me. That's what you need to do. <laughs> I'll show well, you. you. Know, and, I will show you, well, Ben, well, and you'll the, be the, like, oh, my God. We had a, um, a skeptic, Glenn Hunt, who was a BBC broadcaster who I met, and he was very, very much like you. And so I said, come along, let me show you. And he he's stuck with us I think he's been with us for 10 years now and every time he gets his brains blown he's like oh my god I can't believe this is happening to me he actually had two chairs flung at him and he was a, he was actually cowering in the corner shaking um, and, and lots of people that are listening to this now will know of that episode that I'm talking about and he was just he said I have no words I, I don't understand it and what it's done for him right but but was this on, on video yes, tape or camera yeah we caught it. It, okay, so so I so I, I wouldn't need to go with you. I would just need to show the tape. Yeah, right? sure. But the thing is, it's okay, it's yeah, send it along. We yeah, love to it. it's best for you to experience it because then you know yourself that it's not drama. It's not made up. It's not faked editing. It's not this. Uh, you are experiencing it yourself. And this is what <clears throat> I'm trying to do is trying to get as many people as possible. So we do this thing around the country where we invite people along to say, look, it's it's not just a TV show, it's actually real. And people come away going, oh my God, you know, I've just seen this move on its own or I've just heard this disembodied voice and so on. So for me, it's, it's really important to try and share, not just in a TV show, but actually in front of people themselves. And I'm always trying to get scientists and I'm always trying to get reporters and I'm always trying to get the media to come along and, 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 and have a look. And a lot of the time they do come along and go oh my god that's incredible it actually did happen so next time we come over to the states you're coming with me yes <laughs> definitely you know i mean that's and you you have to wonder because you you know there there's as, as you know there are thousands of ghost hunting groups uh, uh, around the world uh and and there are many many locations and of course you know let, let's say there are well thousands of locations and thousands of groups uh there should be tens or hundreds of thousands of individual investigations over the years uh, when ghost hunters have gone to locations, presumably with, you know, cameras and recording equipment. And and you would expect, at least I would expect, that by now we should have incontrovertible, you know, hundreds or thousands of clear, obvious videos and, and, and footage of objects moving on their own. Uh, but 
I'm not sure why that hasn't happened. Well, you see, the thing is, we try, like with us, I think it's because they are recorded and they are, especially with a TV show, people think, well, it's got to be faked. And people like yourselves will go, well, it's a TV show. It has to be faked. It's there for a reason. It's there to entertain. And especially in England, they have on the on the very front of the, of the I don't know what it's like in the States, but um, they have on the front, this is for entertainment purposes only. And now that's put there by the channel, not by the production company. Um, and I th- in England anyway, I think that's because, of course, they don't want to upset uh, some religions or, or, you know, or Ofcom, which we have over here in, in the UK. Um, so for us, that was really, so we put on our YouTube channel, this is not for entertainment purposes only. This is a legitimate investigation. And we're really, really proud of that. But whenever we try to sort of send footage to scientists or, or, or um, newspapers, a lot of them will just laugh it off because they'll go, well, you faked it. And you think, well, no, we haven't. Will you have a look at it, please? Or will you come to the edit? And a lot of them won't want to put the time in. So it's very frustrating for, and a lot of people like, for instance, Ben and Laney, who I interviewed last uh, last week, I think it was, um, they uh, have been putting stuff on YouTube. They've been putting stuff on their social media. They're living in a, in a genuine haunted house. And the footage they're getting is, is fantastic, real amazing phenomena. But again, they get so many trolls saying, oh, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. And you actually think do you know what I, I you you actually hold your hands up going well what else can we do so I think the best thing is is for it's almost like wanting to grab people like yourselves you know um and also scientists I've been which is I've been trying to do for a long time and to, to actually say I want you to come with me and I want you to see what we experience this knocking phenomena for me is so exciting and it took us six years to get it and you'll know this this tapping wrapping phenomena is actually very common in a lot of haunted locations and it's one of the first things that is sort of recorded really but we've created this way of being able to have conversations with the other side i've been desperate for some sort of science scientists or, or uh, uh, some some lab to come along with sound equipment and try and understand what this sound is, how is it being made, how does it, ha- why? It, it has a consciousness, it's able to add, uh, subtract numbers, it's able, when I hold my fingers up and I say, how many fingers am I holding up, it will knock it out. You know, I have messages uh, from people that have lived in these old houses, they'll spell out their first names, their surnames, the dates that they, they resided there, we'll check it up in, in, in the history books that the curator has got, and it matches. You know, we'll point to old black and white pictures and say, can you knock, tell us what where you are on this picture? It knocks and we match the name with the with the picture. It's incredible. Sorry, I get very emotional well, about I'm, I'm it. Trying... <laughs> right. No, I, so I'm so I'm I'm trying to sort of picture your investigation. So so where's the knock where are the knocks coming from? Everywhere. So a lot uh, uh, they sound like sometimes they're coming from the wall, but it's when they're coming from underneath your feet and you can actually feel the vibration. That to me is extraordinary. There's so much we don't understand. There's still so much. We've only just scratched the surface with with science and, and what goes on in this ether, in this this plane, in this, you know, we, we don't understand any of it. You know, it's only really in the last sort of 10 years that science has sort of started taking the, the brain and what happens to us when we die and our consciousness and so on. Seriously, you know, and that to me, I find absolutely fascinating. And I think, I wonder where we're going to be in you know, 20 years time, 50 years time, what are we going to uncover? Will we finally find the truth that actually energy, Einstein was right, energy does go on, it doesn't die, our consciousness goes on and we live on. And I find that absolutely fascinating. And I'm sure science will get there, you know, because we've started uh, making the inroads to it. And my final thing is to you is, um, did Elvis really die? And we'll leave it at that. Did Elvis really die? Well, um, there was a documentary a few years back called Baba Hotep. Um, I saw it. It was one of the best movies ever. He wakes up in an old people's exactly. home and he's got a walking frame. Exactly. I fell about laughing, Ben, at that. It was the funniest thing ever. And but I reckon we should come back and discuss that. It's a, and it's fam- a, it's a brilliant documentary. Famous celebrities. If you have not seen it, that, that answers yeah. the question as to what happened to Elvis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I love all of that. He's still alive. <laughs> 
in a chip shop. Exactly. Uh, Benjamin, thank you so very much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I could talk to you all day. Um, you, you, you wheedle these things out of me and I can keep <laughs> chatting. I hope I haven't bored you too much no, no. and we'll speak again soon, I hope. Always great chatting with you. Good times. Well, thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. We'll be back again next week, but if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk. That's www.paranormalpod.co.uk, where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We do want to hear from you. Please send in questions or an audio clip telling us your paranormal story to this address. It's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. Or on WhatsApp at this number, 075-999-27537. That's 075-999-27537. And we're on Instagram. Uh, Check it out. It's at Paranormal Activity Pod. That's at Paranormal Activity Pod. And also, yeah, check out those pictures of our investigation in the car. They're on our Instagram. And please remember, this is very important, things aren't always as they seem. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.